So it's good to have a wife who's prophetic. Amen, somebody. It's, uh, well, I'm going to clap my hands for that. It's good to have a wife that's prophetic. Um, you know, that, um, God designed specifically for his glory. Um, and I get the privilege, amen, of experiencing, um, uh, a, a lady that just, that loves the Lord and that her mom, uh, fought for her. You know, uh, if you know Megan's mom, she's since passed away, but, uh, she fought for her children. She literally went down in a spiritual battle and went to hell and says, you can't have my children. And I'm so glad she did that. Amen. I'm so glad she did that. And so as a result of what she shared with that stuck in a season, I instantly said, okay, I got to go switch my message. And uh, how many know it's good to be prepared? Amen. <laughs> I grew up in the church where you'd walk in and they'd say, hey, I want you to exhort. You're like, what? You know, and you always have to be ready. Uh, to exhort. And so I, I want to share this with you because I think it's vital. And, and so maybe I made a statement of stuck in a season and that got me to, uh, to postpone or to in the holding pattern, the message I entitled, uh, stuck in life, which is living in fear every day. And so before we really get to what it means and why we live in fear every day, I think we have to understand being stuck in a season. And so I'm going to give you five things that uh, you must do when you are stuck in a season to move uh, into what God has for you. Is that okay? Let's let's look at that because I believe you're going to be somewhere in these five things. And if you want to, you know, just bring excitement to your life, um, I want you to write this down. Learn the difference between, write this down, entertainment and excitement. Learn the difference between entertainment and excitement. Uh, the church has been inundated with entertainment at the expense of excitement. And what I mean by that is that the enemy loves to entertain. And so if something is not from a perspective of feeding your five senses, then you don't categorize it as an encounter with God. But what God wants is he wants you to be excited about the things he's doing. Not entertain. He wants you to be excited about the seasons that he brings you and moves you into. And so every area of your life, parenting, there should be excitement. I know it's a challenge, but parenting, there should be an excitement in that. Knowing that you get opportunities to speak into your child's life. Your marriage, there should be excitement in that. If there's something that I, that I value more than anything else is there's two people I fear in this world. Number one is God. Number two is Megan. I tell people all the time, I said, she knows my passion for preaching. And I said, I will never, ever come behind the pulpit, preach something that she would look at me and says, you're not living it. It's not that she won't say he's working through it. I'm talking about what she says, you're not living it. Because I can fool people, but I go home with her. Right? And, and, and so for me, marriage is exciting because um, the emotional healthy class is really, it's causing us to have some intense fellowship. Amen? Because she's getting free and I've got to get used to her getting free. You know what I'm saying? She's, she's getting healthy in her 50 and so she's 
physically getting healthy. And thank you to Neil and, and the coach that's just kicking it. That is just amazing seeing the ladies come and just doing some amazing things. Yes, that's so awesome. And, um, and so I say all this, not just to, to brag on her, but I say all this to really let you know that, 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 that life ought to be exciting. Someone say exciting. It really should. Being a believer should be something that you're excited about. Come on. That there are moments when you just shout out a praise for no other reason than just Jesus. Come on. Amen. You, you see what I'm saying? And, and so, and so we have to look at this because, because God is taking you. He's taking us corporately. He's taking us somewhere. And so we don't want to be stuck in a season. And so uh, the, the title for what we're going to talk about is really the law of the steps. Uh, how to step out of one season into another one. How, how do I leave one season and enter into another season without being stuck? Because if we remain stuck, it's an indication that we're living in fear every day. And so we want to be careful that, that, that we know and understand the law of the steps. And so how it works is this. If we stay stuck in life, we will not make disciples. We, we will not make disciples. You can't be stuck living in fear. You can't be stuck in a season and say you're making disciples. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I'm amazed how people love to quote the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. They, they love quoting that and, and they use that to justify everything. You gotta, gotta love them. But look what they're gotta love them. Everything they justify with that first commandment. And yes, God is loving. We're supposed to love. Amen, somebody. We're supposed to love, right? We're supposed to love. That's what the Bible says. But the second one is the great commission. It's to make disciples of all nations, of all people. And so I'm convinced based on the word of God, um, that if we make disciples, this nation will become righteous. <laughs> but that's a harder work because to make disciples means you actually have to be intentional in your relationship with people. You have to deal with their mess. If you're going to make a disciple. Now, someone to come get saved, that's the Holy Spirit moving on you. The Holy Spirit does something. They come to the altar. They cry. Boo-hoo. They're great. And people say, man, a hundred people got saved, but maybe two were discipled. And those same people who got saved still have the same cultural mindset. Come on. And they're not transformed. And so they go ahead and they're not transformed. So what are they going to do? They're just going to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I haven't changed. And so it's important then that we understand that we don't want to be stuck in, in, in a season. We, we don't want to be stuck in life because we're called to make disciples. That is what every single believer is called to do. We are called to make disciples. And just because it is not a condition for heaven doesn't mean we don't do it. Just get me to heaven, I'm cool. And God is like, that's all? You're stuck. <laughs> Living in fear because to make disciples implies you have to get in people's life. And you've got to get to a place where you're intentional about what God is doing in your life and in somebody else's life. And I used to always have this statement. I used to always make this statement. I said, I never want to miss somebody's season. Oh. 
I never want to miss somebody's season. No, I never, ever want to miss somebody's season as long as they are open for them to be able to say, what is God doing in their lives? That's the thing that I want to look at. And so, therefore, it is important that we understand the seasons. We have to understand what's going on. And so, in Psalms 37, verse 31, let me begin there. It says this in Psalms 31, excuse me, Psalms 37, verse 31. Here's what it says. The law of his God... Is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. That's what the psalmist is writing. And so in Psalms 40 verse 8, he begins and says, this is the joy. This is the delight that I have. In Psalms 40 verse 8, he goes and says, I delight to do your Will, Psalms 40 verse 8, I delight to do your what? Your will. Oh my God, what? Your law is within my heart. And so the first thing is this, is that if you don't want to stay stuck in a season, make sure that the law of God is in your heart. And one of those things that you're doing with the law of God in your heart is you're saying, I'm making disciples, that God has called me because the word of God is inside of me, that I am making disciples. Someone say making disciples. That is the goal, no matter what you're doing, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee, whether you're an investor, whether you're a business owner, whatever you are, the goal is this. I am making disciples. Why? Because that's the great commission that God has established through Jesus that was indicated for me to do is making disciples. And so the reason why we're doing these inspired men and we're bringing them into homes and, and we're doing them at different places and we're also starting something here uh, for the children as well. We're looking to launch that in May that we're going to be starting to have where our children are going to be discipled. Come on. Amen. That you can drop your children off, go to your inspired Marion, and your child is being discipled as well because we want the entire home, come on, to be saved. We want the entire home to recognize what seasons are going on. The reason why we clean up the room and, and we have a nursing station now is, is a nursing mother station now is because we're making room for more. We're making room for more disciples. Not for more people just to come in and take a seat. We're making room for more disciples, people's lives who are transformed because what? You're making disciples. You're making disciples. And so it begins with saying, I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. So what keeps us stuck? And here's the first thing. Step number one. Take some time. Write that down. Take some time. So, Lord, your law is in my heart. I've got to take a step into another season. I'm supposed to be making disciples. And so I'm stuck in a season. And why is that? And so he's saying now, take some time. That's the first thing. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says this. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And the two things you have to understand is this, that when God moves you from a season, two things happen. When you're moving out of a season to another season where God says, take your time, there's a time for everything. Two things happens. The first thing is this, you have to understand the grieving process and the guiding plan. You have to understand the grieving process and the guiding plan of God. So because I know that everything God does has purpose and promise connected to it. 
And so, God, I am going to now take a step. And you're saying, but take some time. In other words, it is okay to take your time to grieve the loss of that season. It is okay. And he says, actually, you have to, because if you don't, you'll bring that past into your future. And so he's saying, grieve the loss. Grieve that that season is over. Of course, why? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it, saith God? I am doing a new thing in your life. I'm bringing greater excitement. I'm bringing greater blessings into your life. That if you thought the blessings of yesterday, come on, they can't compare to what I have for you to accomplish today. Just take your time. We see Jesus doing this. We see Jesus doing this because in Matthew 14, we read that John the Baptist, because he had a spine. John the Baptist, because he knew how to speak, come on, the word of God with boldness. We need some John the Baptist, come on, to rise up and to declare the righteousness of God to a nation who wasn't afraid but knew their assignment and wasn't going to bow or bend. We need some John the Baptist. And guess what? We are the forerunners of Jesus for his second return. Come on. And we're supposed to be declaring God's promises and God's truth and all that God has for us. This was John the Baptist. And the Bible says he died. They killed him. He was beheaded by Herod. And the news, the Bible says, came to Jesus. They say, hey, Jesus, John the Baptist, he is dead. And in Matthew 14, verse 13, when I saw this, this amazed me. That when the news came to Jesus, he left in a boat to a remote place by himself. He left the disciples there. And he gets in a boat by himself. And he goes to a remote place. And look what he does. It says, but the crowd headed where he was. Excuse me. But the crowd heard where he was headed. And followed on foot from many towns. So what Jesus was doing was said, I just heard the news about John the Baptist. And he leaves that. It's like, I can't stay in that season. And he moves now and he goes over and he's praying. And I believe he's grieving the loss of John the Baptist. He's taking some time from ministry because he understands that there is an advancement of the kingdom I have to do. But I've got to deal with this loss. I have to deal with the John the Baptist's life. God, why did you save his life? God, why didn't you make him live longer? God, what's going on? And here just is grieving the loss. Is there anybody that needs to just grieve the loss? I have to grieve the ending of a job. I got to grieve the ending of this. I got to grieve the end of this. And God is saying, take your time because I know if you don't process it properly, you will enter into another season living in fear every day of your life, thinking it's going to happen to you and you're going to be stuck in a season. Grieve the loss. Take your time. And so for people, I have to tell them, yeah, yeah, where God's taking you. He's moving you someplace new. I had to live through this. And it wasn't until I came to TGP that I finally understood how to grieve the loss. I didn't understand how to grieve the loss because I kept having a soul syndrome. Why did they reject me? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? I'm preaching. Come on. I'm ministering the gospel, but I'm still grieving a season that was so long ago that there were trigger points that will come up in my life. 
So Omega and I would have intense fellowship and that's because I was in a season where God was trying to take me out of that season to see the possibility, to see the potential. We have to grieve the loss when God moves us into another season. We have to grieve it. But then we also have to get to a place where we say, God, guide my next move then. Guide my next move because weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning time. And there coming a time we have to realize that, listen, one of the most difficult things that I find is how do I walk away from something that God is no longer blessing? How do I walk away from something that God didn't even bless in the first place? How do I walk away from something that has gotten my identity? I was talking to the students at, at Delaware Christian. I told them this. I said, um, um, your purity pledge must be stronger than peer pressure. I said, your purity pledge must be stronger than peer pressure. And what I told them was this. I says, listen, what happens is this. You never forget your first. So choose wisely. And I brought up my first automobile. I brought my first car, my, my Horizon, Plymouth Horizon. Piece of junk, but my first car. Bonduduk, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, the window couldn't go down. When I ordered, I had to open the door and give the order. That was my first car, though. And I remember when they would laugh at me, my friends, they would laugh at me in this car. And they knew I was sensitive because it was my car. And we were at a red light, and if, if you stayed too long at a red light, it was shut off. I'm like, come on, come on, change. Like, come on. And they're in the back ready to laugh. But they know this guy's sensitive, you know what I'm saying? And finally the car shut off. And I said, stupid car. And they burst out with so much laughter. Like, finally we can laugh because he's laughing as well. But you see, it was my first car. It was my first car. And, and, and I remember that first car. And I used that example, a hilarious example. But let's go, let's go deeper. Let, let, if you go deeper into the soul realm, you never forget your first. You never forget your first. And so you have to get to a place of where, where God takes you and now he moves you. And, and somebody asked a question. One of the students asked a question with tears coming down their face. And they said, so, so, so if something happened to me, then how, how does that work with my purity? How can I grieve a loss of something that I didn't cause? I talked about a car, and here they're going deeper into the soul realm. I'm going to tell you that surface issues may be where you begin, but we got to go deeper into places in people's lives where they're saved. I can't let go of this loss. It's become my identity. So we're stuck in a season because of an identity crisis that's over here. And so what we must do now is go to a place where we go to God for guidance. And we have to get to that place where say, God, guide me. What's my next move? And Jesus comes back when the crowd comes now. And he says, get to the other side. He tells him, get to the other side. And so if you're truly going to take some time, you need to grieve, but you need to be guided. Let me encourage you. One of the greatest calls on my life is to be a pastor. I love it. I do. I love pastoring this church. There's no other place I want to go. 
I love this church. I do with everything inside of me. And if you knew me 10 years ago, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, what a change. And I love this church. I love pastor. And, 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 so, and so the reason I say that is because I actually get when those who give me permission to get into their hearts and their minds and find out what is God doing. You see, I, I told you, I, I meet with Ian, and I meet with some other men, and, and I tell Ian, and I haven't told him uh, repeatedly, I go, Ian, it's not one-sided, it's two-sided. You feed me as well. You feed me as well. It's not about me just feeding to you. It's you speaking stuff into my life that I enjoy. And so when I go shoot pool, it's not just about beating the men at pool, it's about connecting with them. <laughs> it's letting them win, you know what I mean? So they give me access into their heart. But when I go and I connect, it's not just about the time. It's really about God. What's the next move in their life? What's the next move in my life? And how can we connect together? And that's what it means when you're in fellowship with somebody. It's not just about wasting time. It's about God in this moment. What are you doing in these men? What are you doing in their life? I want to know, God, what you're doing. Why? Because one of the greatest things is to pastor people. Because here's why. Because number one, you are anointed by God. So the reason why I want to know your next move, you're anointed by God. The Holy Spirit anoints you. Someone say, I'm anointed. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit. you got to believe that, that the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, it wasn't just, come on, fire insurance. You are anointed by God for an assignment to make disciples. And ready for this? God wants to fulfill the dreams he's put in your heart. He said, move it to another season. Be guided to it because God says, I have dreams for you that I put in your heart that you give back to me. And so we need to be guided. And so as a nation, we need to grieve. Come on, so that God can guide us. We need to realize that God is saying he's doing a new thing. Come on. He's breaking down structures of man and he's building up ready for this, the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you that the people who are going to prosper are people going to step into a kingdom assignment. And so we need to recognize what is the kingdom assignment. Thanks for asking. A kingdom assignment is where you recognize first and foremost, I'm anointed by God. That, 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 that God has anointed me in Jesus. That I am anointed by God. What does that mean? That means you have an assignment. That means you have an assignment from God. Because you've been anointed. So write it down. God, what's my assignment? So when you grieve the loss, realize that God is saying, I have an assignment for you. So in your prayer time, you're saying, God, what's the assignment that you have for me that only I can do? I know you can get somebody else, but God, what is it you want me to do? What is we call the word calling? What is the calling of God on my life that the Bible says in Romans, he does not take it back. The calling of God are irrevocable. And so this is how you get excited. And this is why I'm excited, why I love the pastor, because I know God, you've anointed me for this hour. And you've given me an assignment that I have to accomplish. An assignment. So what's your next move? What's your next move? So I'm anointed, and I have what? Say with me, I have what? An assignment. So in your relationship then, in every relationship, the question you want to ask people is, what's your assignment? Come 
Because in the Bible, and you have a chance to read this, there was a prophet who God said, I want you to go and don't talk to anybody. I, the, God gave them assignment to this prophet. He said, I want you to go. He's a younger prophet. And then all of a sudden, he, he, he found an older prophet on the journey. And so God says, don't talk to anybody. Don't stay anywhere. Make sure you fulfill the assignment. I've anointed you. Go ahead and do it. And so the older prophet came now, and the older prophet says, oh, I heard from God. And, 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 and so what he heard and what the prophet heard were two different things. And so he's saying, listen, I, I need for you to stay. And so the Bible says that he stayed and all of a sudden he couldn't fulfill his assignment. Why? Because he didn't realize that God was the one that was guiding him. And so everybody goes, yes, I'm anointed. I have an assignment. And God gave me the assignment. And everything's great. And we look at that. And here is where the problem is. Because once you are anointed and you have an assignment, you have to know how to deal with people's approval. You always find an errand. Come on, somebody. Where the people say, I don't know what happened to Moses. And it says, take from what is on your ears. Come on and give it to me. Itching ears. And you're always going to have people who are going to say things to you to try to guide you. But you've got to know God. And that's why you have to grieve the loss. So you don't get wrapped up in identity crisis and go right back where you started from again. And so therefore, we have to understand the approval of people. Jesus was the master of it. That they wanted to give him all this thing and just says, listen, man, no, no, I know my assignment. I know I'm anointed. And so we look for that. The third thing that happens is we want or we look for the applause. The applause of people. And so we see even on Palm Sunday where they're coming in and they're giving applause to Jesus. And then next thing you know, at the court hearing, they all says, crucify him. On one hand, they applause him. Next thing you know, crucify him. And so... I have to learn real quickly, you can't make people happy. But I will make people healthy. And so here's where it comes down to, and this is my last point on this one. This is where I believe we are. And take your next step. And here's why we're stuck in a season. Is I don't question the anointing of God in your life. I want everybody to know that you're anointed by God. Everybody to know that. And you got to know your assignment. You got to know your assignment from God. And so as a pastor, when we meet, these are things I want to know of your life. I want to know what is the assignment that God has for you. How can we resource that? How can we help as a church? It's not about you serving us. It's about us serving you. That's what it's about. That's when people come to me to tell me, okay, what has God called you to do? How can we help you accomplish that assignment from God? Why? Because as you walk in the anointing and the assignment of God, you're going to make disciples. You're going to fulfill God's dream for your life. And you're going to advance the kingdom of God. That's how we're going to change this nation. That's how we're going to change this nation. And that God is going to be glorified because we're going to meet people who are on their assignment because they were anointed. And here is where we are at right now. And so in all of that, this is the part. This is the part that's so important because number two is ask for help. Ask for help. And this speaks of one of the greatest characteristics that we must have now. In the body of Christ is this. We must be accountable. We must be accountable. When I went to Florida, and I went and I, was, I spoke at this ministry with my best friend. He's, he's, um, he's part of that ministry. And, and um, 
I said, what makes this ministry so successful? What is that you're doing that makes this thing work? And here's what they said. We hold people accountable. And they're actually growing. We hold them accountable. And they're actually growing. I was like, wow. There's another ministry that, 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 that I meet with. And I said, so, so what makes your... We hold people accountable. And they're growing. So it almost seems to me that the key to growth is to be accountable. The key to growth is to get to a place of where you says, I need help. And so I come to the throne of grace where I find mercy and get help in the time of trouble. Are you with me, somebody? And so what we have to look at this is that we're at a place now where we have to cry out, God, I need help. I can't carry this assignment by myself. I can't carry this anointing by myself. God, I'm struggling with needing people's approval. I'm struggling with needing the applause, Lord God. But I'm going to ask for help. Jesus, help me leave one season and get to another season. That's my prayer, is ask for help. And when you do that, when you ask for help, It takes courage. That's the third thing. It takes courage to ask for help. In other words, you have to get to a place where you realize this, that over and over and over, the Bible tells me to fear not. That over and over, the Bible says, don't be afraid. That over and over again, the Bible says, trust the promises of God. So I take courage, ready for this, in the purpose of God and the promise of God for my life. That's where my courage is. It's in the purpose of God and the promise of God. And so because I know that God is for me and not against me, and because I know that I want to be accountable to God, I want to be accountable to what is happening, that I'm going to take courage knowing that there is a purpose and there's a promise behind this. So take courage knowing that God is saying to you, do not be afraid. Make disciples and advance the kingdom of God. Take courage. Take courage. And take courage when you do this. Number four, ask God to establish your steps. Ask God to establish your steps. As you walk in obedience, there are times you're going to make a mistake. But most importantly, you're saying, God, I don't want to miss the mark. That, that I, I, I may make mistakes, but I don't want to miss the mark. In other words, I want to get to a place, God, where my heart is totally open. And I'm saying, God, establish in your word. Establish my steps in your word. Order my steps according to your word, Lord. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. 
So in other words, God, I want to obey what you're telling me. I want to take courage in what you're telling me. I'm asking for help. And because I've understand and I understood and I realize now that this is a new season that I now have to go deeper into your word. Come on. I've got to get more and more committed to your word. Is there anybody here that recognizes that you need to go deeper in the things of God, that you need to go stronger in your faith and in your trust and your belief in God? Absolutely. Establish my steps in your word. Establish my steps in your word. And finally, we end with this. We end with this. Walk into your next. Walk into your next. Psalm 17 verse 5 says, my steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. Walk into your next. These are the five things that I truly believe that from looking at the word of God and in my own life, I can look at these things in my own life and realize, God, what do you have next for me? What is it that you are doing in my life that I don't want to miss the assignment? What is it you're doing, God, that I can trust you as I walk into my next? But here's the deal, Jesus. I'm going to walk into my next with you. I need you to walk with me because you are the one that can calm the storms. You are the one that opens the eyes of the blind. You are the one that can declare. You are the one that can make a way. You are the one that I put my trust and my faith in. You are the one who went to the cross. You are the one that died on the cross for my sins. You are the one that set me free from being stuck in a season. And so in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14, the message translation says, when you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ on the cross. So this morning, this morning you are being encouraged. This morning you're being encouraged into the law of the steps. Where are you right now? Do you need courage? You need to ask for help? You need to be established in his word. This becomes a great disciple. I need, I need to learn the word to become a disciple. Pastor o, I know I'm saved, but what does it mean to be a disciple? What does that mean? What does it even look like? If the truth be told, I want to be a disciple. I want to disciple my children. I, I, I want to be a disciple. What does that look like? Being a disciple. Established in your word. With every head bowed, every eyes closed.
there's something in the atmosphere this morning. And there are Sundays that we're going to have like these. Something in the atmosphere. Something in the atmosphere. That's trying to keep us stuck. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Father, in Jesus' name, in this new season, we are going to see disciples being made. In this new season, we will experience dreams being fulfilled. In this next season, we will see the kingdom of God advance throughout this land. God, where are you taking us? Where, where, where are we going? In this new season. We're going to be making disciples. We're going to see dreams fulfilled. Oh my goodness. That's a great place right there to clap your hand. If you got a dream. 
It's going to be fulfilled in this season. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. If it's start that business, write that book. Come on, whatever God has for you. Come on, you got a dream. You got a dream. God-given dreams are being released in this season. And we will see the advance of the kingdom of God. Jesus, we love you.